Today, we're going to be talking about worth the wait. And and really, is it worth waiting to follow God's plans for our life? Is it worth saying, Jesus, I'm going to trust you in every area of my life? And so we're going to look at three people today, or four, I guess. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph and how they honor the God that is faithful. And in each of these situations, it's not so much about the people's faithfulness as much as the fact that they worshiped a faithful God. And that is the key distinction in our life. And the second person we're going to look at is Simeon. And Simeon was a man who, who he walked with God. He was righteous. He was devout. And, and God had given him this promise that, that, that he would see the Messiah. And God was faithful. And he knew he could trust God because God is what? Faithful. And then lastly, we're going to look at Anna. And Anna was, was someone who went through extreme hardships and, and hard times. And there's those of us who we go through loss or we go through hurt or, or we pray for something and it doesn't seem like it's happening. And Anna was married only seven years and became a widow and lived 85 years waiting for the coming of the Messiah. In all three of these cases, we're going to see how God was faithful in showing up. And so my prayer and our heart's desire today is as we look at these stories and we look at what the coming of the Messiah means for us, that we'd be reminded of the fact that God is faithful in every situation. Now, one of the things that we know, though, is it is really hard to wait for things. And uh, one of, in fact, many of you guys waited for Christmas presents that you opened up and within a few weeks, they're going to be white elephants gifts for next year, or you're not even going to know where they are, right? Well, there was one present when I was growing up that uh, me and my brother Matt wanted more than anything. We asked for three years, and we just, oh, we're never going to get it. And so finally, one year, the greatest present showed up at our house, um, uh, and, and it was the NES Nintendo system. Now, our parents actually wrote on the box math edition. And so they're like, we actually got you the school edition. So you can only like, you know, learn. And we're like, oh, this is terrible. But uh, we, we got it and we were so excited. We, we, would, we would play with it for hours. In fact, when you were growing up, if you had a friend that had this, like that was your best friend in the world. You may not even know his name, but you were at his house, right? Because you wanted to play with it. And so it had the best graphics in the world. And we would play Techno Bowl and uh, we, we would, I, I used to love it. You would, you'd throw it and um, you would hear, have Metcalf catch it or, you know, it'd show up on the screen, little block letters. And we thought it was awesome. But there came a time where eventually it stopped working, right? That it, it wasn't, it wasn't really worth the three-year wait that we thought it was. In fact, if you, uh, with the game cartridges, you used to be little block cartridges, and you'd pull them out, you'd have to blow them to get the dust off, or you'd have to take a little, and then no one ever did this, you would take a Q-tip with rubbing alcohol to wipe them clean. But it got to a point where it wasn't worth the work. It wasn't worth the weight that we had put into it, even though it was something that we had wanted for years. Now, others of us, though, we've waited for things in our life that maybe they're a little bit more significant than waiting for the Nintendo Super System, right? Although Duck Hunt was, was great, right? You can't compete with it today. But there's things in our life, maybe it's a child who isn't walking with Christ, and you're calling out and saying, God, I want you to move in their life. Maybe it's, it's for you as a student, there's a situation you're going through that you say, you know, if only God would help me out in this situation. I know in high school and middle school, I prayed, God, would you send me good friends? Would you send me people to build in to encourage me? And it's something I continue to lift up. Or maybe it's, it's a, a situation that you're just praying for God to move. 
I love um, what Tony Evans says in his article, Waiting Well. He says, do you like to wait? I think if we saw the video of the kids that we can all relate to that, that we do not like waiting. Um, I don't know if you've had this experience, but at 3.15 Christmas morning, my daughter Evelyn opens the door. She's the one singing with the the suckers on the video. And she says, it's 3.15, guys. It's Christmas. Can we get up? And we're like, we just finished wrapping the presents an hour ago. No, go back to bed, right? And and so she comes in 3.35. Hey, guys, it's 3.35. Can, Can we get up? And she goes, Let's make a deal. I'll cuddle with you for 10 minutes and then we can all open our presents. And so finally we said, listen, let's do it seven o'clock. We'll split the difference, right? So there was eager anticipation with that, but generally we don't like to wait. And so Tony Evans says this, he says, I don't think so. It's true that patience is a fruit of the spirit, but nobody actually likes to wait. Yet in fact, of matter, the matter is that every day we're forced to wait, sometimes for things that we need and sometimes for things that we just want. Statistics show that the average person spends close to an hour a day waiting for something. Between waiting for a microwave, waiting for an elevator, waiting for your computer to, to load, whatever it is, uh, in my house it's waiting for the girls to get done and get in the car, right? And so, so you wait for an hour. The average person, if you spend 70, live 70 years, you're going to spend three years of your life waiting. And that's a staggering statistic. And so what's interesting is Tony Evans talks about in the article is that for too many, the real problem isn't the waiting. It's what happens in our hearts when we wait. I don't know about you, but there's times where I've waited on God to answer things. And it just seemed like it was taking a long time. Kids, have you ever waited for your parents to to do something or you've waited for something and you're like, when are we going to get there, right? Or what's going to happen? It's what happens inside of our hearts. And so he talks about it's a heart issue that we deal with. And he says, for too many of us, waiting creates a downward spiral of impatience, frustration, selfishness, and anger in our hearts. While waiting in a line, we find the flaws with the people in front of us. And if... And if it is this that we respond to other people, what happens in our heart when God makes us wait? God wants you to live with great expectations, with constant, enduring sense that God is for you. He loves you deeply. While at any moment he can move in power on your behalf, but sometimes God delays his blessings to examine what is in your heart. He waits on purpose. It's not that he doesn't want to bless you or care about your life, but he cares for the greater benefit of you. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the fact that God is faithful. Amen? And, and, and yesterday, Meg and I had the privilege, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 if you would like to turn in your Bibles there this morning. But uh, we had the privilege yesterday of, of going uh, to one of our former youth group students' weddings, and our girls were the flower girls in, in uh, the wedding, which I cried as they were walking down the aisle. I'm like, oh, you know. Uh, but... As, as we sat there, we were so encouraged by a young couple who, who said, you know what, we are going to honor God with our lives because God's faithful. And if God tells us something's good for our benefit, like we're, we're going to listen to him. We're, we're going to do what he says. And it was just such a cool thing. Uh, they actually took over the youth ministry that we were worked at previously and just to see how God is working their lives. And Mary and Joseph, we're going to see that Mary and Joseph honored the faithful God. One of the things that we see is that 
Our circumstances change and waiting might be frustrating, but God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and his plans are always perfect. And so we're going to look in chapter 2, starting in verse 22, and it says this, And when the time came for purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There's a few things that we're going to recognize. We're going to pick up here. And the first one is if you go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 48, Mary talks about the fact of her lowly estate before God. In fact, it says this, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. Mary had an attitude of her heart that she wanted to follow whatever the Lord told her. She knew that according to the law that she must be made clean. The truth of the matter is that for us to have this relationship with God, a perfect holy God, that we each need to come to a point where we need to say, God, I need to be cleansed. Lord, I I need you in my life. I'm grateful for the fact that none of us are perfect. We see in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so there needs to be something happen. So they would go to the temple and, and, and after they'd give birth, there's a purification process that would take place 40 days. And, and Mary takes Jesus with Joseph into the temple. And, and the reason they do this is because out of obedience to God's word, they said, God, we're going to take you at what you say and we're going to follow you, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Now, what's interesting is the very child that they took into the temple to be dedicated to, to, for this purification process is the very child that would ultimately be the sacrificial lamb paying for the sacrifice that we could not afford. And I think it's fitting that if you look in Mary's response and, and Mary's life here, that the offering that Mary and Joseph give is actually one of those who could not afford to give the payment of the lamb. And it's interesting that Jesus would become the perfect lamb that would be slain. And so they did this, to, first of all, he was presented to fulfill the law. And, and so this whole presenting where he's presented in front of the priest, they, they bring the Jesus, the newborn Jesus to the priest, even though he himself was the high priest. And it so, says this as far as the definitions. It was according to the Levitical law that each firstborn son would be dedicated to serving the Lord and he would be set apart to serve him. The word uh, present here comes from the Greek. It it's, it's deals with the whole thing of a standing before or proving or yielding to give oneself up to say, say this, this child is meant to serve God. Now, obviously, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He had come in the flesh, but he came and to do this to fulfill the law. See, there was all these laws and all these regulations that, that man had to live up to, to earn this relationship with God, to earn their place in heaven. And no matter what they did, they couldn't do it because sin had entered the world. I love my children. I love seeing them up here on the screen, but let me tell you, Every single person in our house is a born sinner. <laughs> it, it doesn't take long if you have a child to realize like, oh man, they're just like me, right? And, and, and so you look at that, but Mary and Joseph, they bring him in there and it's because Jesus had not come to abolish the law. He says in Matthew five seventeen that he hadn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. That by Jesus fulfilling all the laws and all the rituals, he would be the perfect sacrifice by living a perfect life. 
It says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus lowered himself and became nothing, no reputation. He became a man. So, so the God, the creator of the universe, coming down to earth. And so Mary and Joseph, they're faithfully honoring God by bringing Jesus into the temple. And we see a little bit of a, a picture of, of their standing financially even. As Leviticus chapter 12, verses 6 through 8 talks about the fact that, that you're supposed to sacrifice um, a lamb, a, a year old lamb for a burnt offering, and a pigeon and turtle dove for the sin offering, and he shall offer it to the Lord to make atonement for her. It says, and if she can't afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves and two pigeons and a burnt offering, and the other for a sin offering. And the priest will make atonement for her, and she shall be made clean. Can I tell you this? None of us are able to pay for the debt that we owe. But I'm grateful for the fact that 2,000 years ago, God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect sinless life and to come down to this earth. And so as Mary is offering all that she has, she says, God, I don't have much, but here, here's what I have. Her son would ultimately pay the price that you and I deserve to pray or pay for. The other thing that I love this quote from Warren Wearsby, he's, he's a commentator who, who passed away this past year and just had a lot of great insight. He was called the pastor's pastor because he loved God's word and he loved people. And it says this, though he came to deliver his people from bondage of the law, Jesus was made under the law and obeyed its commandments. Kids and adults, <laughs> We don't like to really follow when other people tell us to do things very much, do we? I, I know we were driving on Thanksgiving, and uh, I hadn't got pulled over for years and years and years. And I ended up driving a little bit faster than I should have to, on the way to Thanksgiving. And wouldn't you know it, a police officer pulled out. And I, I heard about that from my kids for quite a while. Um, but, you know, we got to talk, and, and you know, he, he let us get, get on our way. And, and But... There was, there's rules set in place. God's law is perfect and holy, but we couldn't do it on our own. But Jesus came and obeyed it so that you and I could have the forgiveness and grace offered by him. And the next person we're going to get to is Simeon. And so the, the, the headline here is worth the wait. Simeon was a man who he had lived his, his whole life serving God. It said he was dedicated. He was devout. And we're going to take a look at what that means. But Simeon believed that God is faithful and he waited for his promise. Some of us struggle with believing that God cares about our situations in our life. And I know that I've been there before. And I love some examples that, that we see, but one of the, the thing, things that, we, we, that I've seen in my own personal life is time and time God's faithfulness. There was a, a period of, of our life where I, I had two family members. They really weren't, they weren't walking with God. I, I, one I hadn't really heard from in a long time. It had been about three years. And, and I remember... As a family, we'd pray and cry out to God and say, God, would you work in their life? God, would you draw them close? And I'd venture to say there's some of you in this room that feel the same way. And I remember one night, I got down on my knees and, in Canton, and Meg, Meg just told me that she wasn't interested in dating me at the time, so uh, don't hold that against her. Right? It, we were married now for 10 years, but we, I... Uh, I uh, I got down my knees and said, God, would you work in, in this situation? God, I want to hear from these people tonight. Lord, I know you're able to. And I, I prayed that prayer many times. And a lot of times I didn't hear anything. 
I prayed that prayer and one of my siblings or one of my family members called me and said, Dan, I know I haven't been living right for God and I need to get my life right. And, and, and I'm going to change that right now. And I thought, God, one out of two is, is great. And, and so I was praising God for that, but I still kept praying. Literally, and this has only happened to me once in my life that this has happened in, in this manner, that another half an hour passed and another person called me and said, Dan, I want to give my life to Christ. <laughs> and I remember I was so overjoyed. The only person I could think to call is Meg. And so I called her up and said, you won't believe what happened. This is, this is a culmination of 10 years of prayer. And God worked in other areas of our life, but it seemed at times like it wasn't going to happen. And Simeon, we're going to see here that Simeon was someone who waited on God because even though our situation seemed hopeless, God was faithful. Our situations don't determine God's character because his character never changes. So we're going to look here at Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 27, and just get a glimpse of who Simeon is. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And I want us to look here at a little bit of who Simeon was. What do we know first about him? That he was a righteous and devout man. That means that he said, God, I want to honor you. I care more about pleasing you than anything else. And Simeon probably had opportunities where he could have said, you know what? God, I've been waiting a long time and I don't see you working but Simeon knew God's character. He knew his heart. How, how do you think you get there? You get that by spending time with him, right? By saying, God, show me who you are in your word. Lord, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And so Simeon was a devout man. He cared about his relationship with God. Next, we see Simeon cared about being obedient to God. He knew that he could trust God's faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I love being around people that I can trust and I can count on, that I could have friends. My, my brothers are here and my sister-in-law. I, I, no, now everyone's turning towards me. But I, I love the fact that I have brothers that I can, I can count on, that I could rely, rely on. Jesus is that person you can always go to. And so Simeon knew he could trust the fact that, that the Messiah was coming. And so lastly, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is the Masonic hope. This is the hope that, that Jesus was promised to come, that he would make all things right, that no longer would man have to try to, to, to do things, to continue to make sacrifices, to earn their standings with God, but there'd be a sacrifice that would pay for it once and for all. And so Simeon was obedient to God. He trusted him and he waited for God's promise. Another person I think back to is Job is the oldest book in the Bible. And, and Job in 1925 says this, he says, and this is after he goes through tons of hardship. He loses his, his kids. He loses his livestock. He loses everything he has except for his wife and his friends. And he has boils all over his body. And he says this, for I know that my redeemer lives and at last he will stand upon the earth. Job is prophesying about Jesus coming. And so the, this man Simeon is, is hopeful. He's waiting and he's longing for the Savior of the world to come. 
The other thing we see is that God had promised that he would see the Messiah before he died. Now, you, you, if you're Simeon, you, you hear this promise and God tells you this. There's probably times in your life that you think, God, when is this going to happen? And I'm sure there's times in your life and my life where when we pray for things, we ask the same things, but we can see hope in the coming of Christ because God would answer Simeon's prayer. Other thing we see is that the Spirit of God was upon him and led him, into, led him to Jesus. See, Simeon had a walk with Christ, that he could, he, or walk with God, that his spirit, he could hear God's Spirit and sense it. And I'm sure that Simeon had read the scriptures, that he had sit in the temple, he had heard of the coming Messiah. And so there was nothing that would shake him, but he had the kind of walk with God that he just said, God, whatever you have for me, I'm going to follow you. And so Simeon was also confident in God's fulfillment and praised him. Now, I don't know about you, but have any of you ever experienced an awkward situation where you think you know someone and you see them in public and you go to say hi only to tragically realize you did not know that person at all? Okay. I had that. And it was very awkward, and the lady enjoyed it immensely. And so there was an older woman that I had worked with um, in Parma at a, at a school ministry. Uh, she worked for Youth for Christ. And I was so excited because I thought she was in the Giant Eagle here in Brunswick. And I thought, she lives in Parma, and she's all the way here. This is great. So I went up. I was like, hi, like, like over the top. And um, she like looked at me weird and walked by. We go around to the next aisle. And she gets by me. She goes, hi, and puts her hand in my face. I'm like, oh. And this literally happened two or three different aisles. And the first time she did, she goes, ha, that's fun. And walked away, and I'm like, oh. So I told my wife, and she was, uh, she was like, Dan, you got to stop doing that. But <laughs> Simeon, we're going to see, is confident that, that the one that is in front of him, this child, is the Messiah. It's all his, we sang uh, the song last week, all our hopes and dreams, right, where it came to us this night. And so Simeon was confident that this was the Messiah, that he was going to be held God's promise. And so verse 20, it says, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart part in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelations to the gentiles and the glory to your people israel when you think about this simeon was saying god this is the culmination of not just all my dreams not just all my 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 prayers but god this is the culmination since the beginning of creation when adam and eve sinned this child coming in the world is going to change everything do you think simeon was rejoicing just a little bit god is faithful he doesn't let us down like ohio state right and so I was, was going to hold back on that. But it, you, you look at this. God is faithful. Simeon knew he could trust him. And guess what? God showed up because God had promised him. And God does not keep his, his uh, promises void. And so he held on to the promise. And he held that promise in his hand. And he praised God for keeping his word. Friends, I don't know about you, but when I've gone through hardships or I've gone through sorrows, and, and, and students, I want to tell you, it's worth following God because at the end of time, you look back and say, man, God, you were faithful. Even, even when I was faithless, you remained faithful, the psalmist says. 
Also, he says in verse 31, 30 for 31, it says, he, held, he had seen the salvation for all people, that he was praising God. This isn't just salvation for Simeon. This isn't just a promise that he had between him and God. This is the promise for all mankind that Jesus was going to make things right. That there's nothing that mankind could do, but God loved us enough that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that God would send his only begotten son into the world that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. In verse 32, we said he, it shows he cared about God being revealed to the Gentiles. Do we have a heart that cares about other people knowing about the gospel? The greatest gift that has ever come is Jesus Christ. In a world that people need to hear hope, we have a faithful God. And so Simeon displayed that. Then Mary and Joseph, they, they took all this in. They, they're pondering this. They're, they're listening to everything that's happening. And, and you got to imagine that in their own hearts, Mary and Joseph went through hardships where they said, God, we're going to follow you even if it doesn't make sense. Students and adults and kids, can I tell you this? When you follow God, it may not make sense and you may lose friends over it. Do you think Mary and Joseph went for situations where people are like, Joseph, you're saying what? You're saying, you're saying Mary? Mary's carrying the son of God? Like, like, it doesn't make sense to the outside perspective, but Joseph and Mary said, God, you're faithful. God, we know what you've told us. We know what you've done. And so as they're hearing this, they're seeing confirmation from other people that God is confirming what he's already told them. And so in verse, verses 33 through 35, he says, and his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now, one of the things that we see here is this. His father and mother marveled at this and what was said about him. And, and they were probably in awe of the fact that, that once again, God is what? Faithful. They're seeing this. When I hear testimonies of what God's doing in your life, we hear again that God is faithful. And Simeon delivers this odd blessing to Mary, but what he's saying is, listen, hey, there, there's going to be many that fall and rise, and there's going to be some that still say, God, I don't, I don't want your faithfulness. God, I don't want to trust in you. Jesus says he wishes that none would perish, but he also says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but for me. This gift that was in front of them and, and in Simeon's hand was the one by which no man is saved but by his name. Mary and Joseph and everything they've went through. I love R. Kent Hughes says this. He says, unlike the later millions who would nod to the memory of Christmas only briefly once a year, this couple would live their entire lives in the enfolding mystery in the incarnation. See, part of the mystery is the fact that God did what he said he was going to do. <laughs> That God sent his son. And, and, and lastly, we're going to see our final person here is Anna. A A Anna saw the blessing. We're going to see here that she sees the blessing of the long-awaited Messiah. Anna was someone who, who, when we read the scripture, we see that she was only married seven years. And then she was a widow for 85 years up until this point. 
And so a lot of scholars, depending on how you read it, believe that she was probably 107, 114 years old. Um, we, we know that from Anna, that she would go to the temple. It says she never left the temple and never stopped worshiping God. Boy, I mean, obviously we have things to do, but what would that be said about you that that's a person who continually praises the Lord? That they love God. And Anna did not have probably the easiest life. If she was a widow for all those years in that culture, she probably didn't have a lot of means. She, she endured hardship. She felt lost. She, she had went through things. But that didn't change who God was. Why? Because our circumstances don't change who God is because he does not change. So she knew that God was what? Faithful. And so we're going to look here at this passage quickly as we, we end here. That says, And the prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, in the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, again, just like Simeon, she was assured of what was in front of her. I love it when people come to know Christ. Why? Because it changes their life so much they can't help but tell their people about it. I think for a lot of us, we miss the awe and wonder of Christmas and Christ coming into our lives as time goes on. But, but we see that even though she had been through a loss in her life, she continued to faithfully worship the Lord. Friends, I want to tell you, there's times where I don't always feel like getting out of bed and worshiping God, but I do it because I know he's faithful. I know he cares about me. I know he cares about you. You look at how God's been faithful to Hope Church. You look at how God's been faithful to many in this room that we hear stories of how God's changed God, that never changes. God is always consistent. And upon seeing the redemption of Jerusalem, she praised God and told others of his coming. What that means is the redemption, that, that Jesus would come and make things right. We know that he has offered us a way to have eternal life through, through him. But we know that also in Revelation 21, that one day he'll create a new heaven and earth, and the old things will be gone, foreign things will be gone, and he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. Friends, we have that hope of that promise as well. And so we see these three examples of faithfulness and love and, 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 and serving God. But why was it? It was because God was the one that was faithful and worthy of praise. So three quick points here. We can trust God's faithfulness because he says this in Hebrews 10, 23. says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised it is faithful. Being a Christian is not an easy thing. Being a Christian teen, being a Christian adult, being, being a Christian kid is not an easy thing at times. But God is there with you and he's faithful. And so Paul tells the church in Hebrews, hey, God is faithful. Follow him. And God is faithful to forgive us. We see in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You might feel like you're outside of God being able to love you and forgive you. The thing is, God knows every single thing that you've done, every single thing that I've done, and he still says, I'm willing to lay my life down for them. 
So we know that God is faithful to forgive us and there's nothing that he can't forgive you from. And lastly, how has God been faithful to you? If Jesus has changed your life, if, if God has shown up in any way, it's important to remember that. And, and this morning as I was driving here, I, I was going through my own life and God reminded me of times he's been faithful in situations I'm in right now. And how he's provided for me, how he's taken care of me, how, how he's worked out things that I thought, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. God, you've worked this out. God desires for us to go and tell other people about his faithfulness. And in Luke chapter 8, there's this demon-possessed man who, 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 who is uh, shackled in. He, his life is essentially um, held to being constrained by these demons. And Jesus frees him from them. He changes him. And God, Jesus tells him, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Hope Church, what would it be like if we were known as a church that declared what God has done for us? Because God is faithful. And lastly, I love Psalm 89.1. It says, I will sing of your steadfast love, love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Can I encourage us? Let's be a church that says, God, we want to tell other people about your faithfulness. And we're going to sing the song here, Faithful to the End. There's times where we may not always feel faithful, but God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves you. He has a plan for your life but he also cares deeply about how we live and how we serve him. And so church, let's serve the faithful God as we leave here this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy for us. God, I pray that as we, as we try to follow you and, and live for you, God, would you help us to remind of your faithfulness? Lord, I pray for those in this room that they might feel unworthy of your love and grace. God, that today would be the day here at Hope Church on December 29th, I believe. <laughs> they, would, they would come into that relationship with you and say, God, I need you. And Lord, that you would show your faithfulness to them. Lord, that you would help them to see that you are God who hears and sees. And Lord, would you help us to love you and honor you and worship your name. In your precious and holy name, amen.